Welcome to Breaking Paradigms, a podcast where we talk about global perspectives on spatial planning in practice and theory by Constance Frech and Sarah Kushi. In this episode, we continue our conversation about urban agriculture and talk with two practitioners with different approaches. One is located in Rio de Janeiro and the other one near Vienna. So without further ado, please introduce yourself. What is your background and your connection to urban agriculture? My name is Julius Cesar Barros. I am an agronomist and I work at the Seed Hall of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, at the Environment Department, since 1996. In 2006, I created the Authors Cariocas program motivated by several factors, among them the difficulty that poorest population has accessing food production in clean way, without of the use of agrochemicals. Another fact that encouraged me to design the program was to invite the human occupation and located, located in areas with some degree of geotechnical risk. In the following year, we also started the construction of vegetable gardens in schools with the objective to providing children with a more intimate contact with the food production in urban areas. In 2019, we produced more of seven tons of food in 42 areas where the program is developing. And we have 180 people involved in this process. The results uh, achieved allow the Orthos Cariocas program to award the award of the best urban food system granted for the city making in the Milan Pact in August 2009 in Montpellier, France. And what is the biggest difference between urban and rural agriculture to you? The difference between agriculture developing in urban areas and the developing in rural environment. I mean, start with the knowledge of the agricultural practice. The city of Rio de Janeiro, perhaps due to the intense process of urbanization and pressure of occupation of the territory, had its uh, agricultural area reduced over time. And our population was increasingly uh, distanced itself from the peculiarities of the countryside, causing a loss of rural reference in most of the population. However, in recent years, the new order for quality food has given greater predominance to our program, arousing greater interest in from the national and international press bodies, and as well from teaching and research institutions around the world. Another point that marks the big difference between the two types of agriculture is concerned to that must be to head with condition of soil contamination located in urban fabrics. Vandalism and thieves are also problems that we face with when developing agriculture in large urban centers. In general, people linked directly or indirectly the program are able to develop their rural reference, making food production in city something more natural and devoid of mysteries. What is your perspective on the city of the future? Cities like Rio de Janeiro and Otro Metropolis are increasingly seeking radical transformation 
in order to minimize the impacts of human occupation on the planet. Problems such as urban mobility, global warming, clean food production have brought about profound changes in city planning, especially in relation to food production. We are increasingly looking to reduce the displacement of food and from large producing areas, which are usually located in places far from cities. The reduction in trips made has a major positive impact, especially in the emission of greenhouse gas. Practice for using organic waste for the production of fertilizers also favor biological cycles, reducing the amount of organic material that would be discarded in landslides. We are concerned with equipping our gardens with sustainable tools that can serve an example for the other initiatives that emerge in the city. Practice such as composting, drip irrigation, use of natural methods of protection against pests and diseases have been increasingly used in food crops in the city. And what do you think does the future of urban agriculture look like? We are absolutely sure that owners of need that food population cannot be restricted to rural areas should in few years constant of unanimity. We observe that this awareness varies widely among the population, that is, cities that develop more consistent actions, or that are still in the process of assimilation with the actions, with less impact, and even those are asleep. Anyway, I think there is a tendency of the mentality to prevail around the world, reducing the pressure for the expansion on the agricultural frontier, especially in relation to this point, if I emphasize the importance of uh, creating agroforestry systems, which constitutes a link of harmonization between the environment preservation and food production. Please introduce yourself. What is your background and your connection to urban agriculture? My name is Jürgen, Jürgen Herdler. I'm a biologist living in Austria, close to Vienna. And I used to be in marine sciences. So I was a studied biologist and a zoologist and did my PhD and my postdoctoral research in marine biology. And a couple of years ago, I stopped doing research and focused myself into more environmental issues. And that uh, took me to vegetable gardening, actually. So for a lot of people, it's quite a, a big step. But if you dive in the ocean, you see a lot of problems uh, occurring in the modern civilization. And one of the problems is uh, nutrient cycles and chemical pollution of waters, which finally end up in the sea. And so I asked myself, what can I do to, to do something against marine pollution? And uh, recognized if you're at the sea, it's already too late. So you need to do uh, steps uh, far beyond this. So I started to turn my hobby, which is vegetable gardening, into a new profession to bring organic farming into urban environments to give people an opportunity to take part in producing their own food and recognizing a new way of producing vegetables and fruits more or less at home. And as more and more people live in cities, 
we need to bring our attention to the question how we can grow food in the cities. And if you do this in urban environment, it's very logic that you do it in a vertical way. So I started the company about five years ago uh, to design and to distribute organic vertical gardening systems. And what is the biggest difference between urban and rural agriculture to you? I would say we could leave the rural agriculture to farming, grains, cattle and big space demanding stuff. And when we turn to urban agriculture, urban gardening, we could rather focus on growing vegetables, growing fruits, that kind of food that we directly ingest. Crops or fresh vegetables just taken from the garden and, and taken to the kitchen immediately. And when I started as a company owner developing the systems, I recognized that it doesn't make very much sense to compete with a supermarket if you do your own garden. But I see now our own opportunity to grow our own vegetables and fruits in the cities to, to grow additional stuff, not the things we can buy in a supermarket. So the supermarkets are really specialized on a very few, uh, very uh, low diversity in, in products. And they get it from big farmers all over the areas. And they like, of course, the fresh food, the very diverse food. And that's where we can come in as, as city gardens, I would say. If you talk about vertical farming, like the high-tech farming, they usually compare with rural agriculture, but that doesn't make sense because you won't grow corn or maize or anything else in a skyscraper. You would produce salad there and small berries and stuff like this. And that's what you can grow in, the, in your gardens and on your balconies and, uh, as well without using any energy without using much of uh, high-tech and especially you don't need machines so you can do a lot of, uh, on your personal craft in, in space, especially very restricted areas. What is your perspective on the city of the future? The space is a main issue in cities so because all the, the cities are building denser and denser and the open spaces are getting lost everywhere in the world I think. So I see the, the houses themselves, the buildings themselves, as the new green spaces. So I see the community gardens of the future also on roofs, uh, on the rooftops of buildings. So it's, I have very little understanding why we don't have green rooftops all over. Because, of course, we destroyed all these green areas when we built the buildings. So we should reestablish the green roofs so that houses more or less just are something that is taken under soil, more or less. So we need the, the green surfaces back on the roof. So I think we, we see a lot of greening in the cities. We see even denser buildings, but these buildings are going to get greener, I think. So we should start with the rooftops and the next step we should think about the walls. And I'm not thinking about uh, entire building walls. I'm thinking about uh, the areas that are privately or owned by the inhabitants or occupants of a city. I see that the buildings will not be only houses that give us shade, cover, and allow us to maintain the perfect temperature around us. I think the buildings themselves will become landscapes. And I don't see actually why buildings should be separate from gardens. I think that we already have architects like Friedensreich Hundertwasser in Austria. He always created buildings where you cannot see the, the edge between the building and the garden, actually. So the garden is always part of the building and the building is always part of a garden. 
we can do is do it in just normal architecture that's already around us. So that's what we mainly do. We build gardens on existing balconies and existing terraces. So our approach is definitely bottom up. We start with a single owner of a flat and maybe if it, his garden works, his neighbors looking at his balcony says, wow, that looks nice. So let's start with a balcony garden and let's go on and go on. If we get three or five of out of 10 balconies green, we've managed quite a good thing, yeah. So we are thinking not only about how we can get new buildings greener, but how can we implement a, a more greener architecture in already existing buildings. Because if you want to have a climate effect on city greening, we need to think about the buildings that are already there. We cannot take those buildings down and build new ones that are greener. That's, that's not possible. And what do you think does the future of urban agriculture look like? I think it's a mix of people doing gardening in the private spaces. I think that's a mix of also small communities establishing community gardens in open spaces between buildings within cities. I think there will be a lot of community gardens on rooftops. If it looks like, let's say, 10 to 20 years further, there will be a lot of, uh, I think, uh, flat rooftops in new buildings especially and would be a waste of space if we don't create the space in a manner that people can use it. So it shouldn't be only green rooftops, but also uh, uh, inhabitable rooftops. And we will produce food there. We will grow plants there. We will produce electric energy. And there will be also vertical farming, maybe high-tech methods. I'm not a big fan of this, I, I have to admit, because I, I see that the, I can do a lot of outdoor gardening all year round without using any kind of energy, except the one that is for free, which is sun and rainwater mainly. And I also prefer soil-based and organic cycle-based gardening methods. So that's why I like the idea of community gardens and also private spaces that are based on soil. It's thinking about what architecture of the future should look like, it should give the opportunity to, to include organic farming, organic gardening-based modules that can be easily integrated into buildings without any complicated, technical, uh, too advanced uh, features that make the architecture and, and building very expensive and sophisticated. So it should be possible in buildings that already exist and it should be managed in a better way for new buildings. And I think based on the idea of nature-based solutions by the EU program, We need to implement rainwater management. We need to implement uh, optimum uh, sunlight and shading architecture. And we need to think about what's the architecture that people and plant support in the same way. And I say it's quite simple architecture, actually. It's like our own house. You have a kind of shading to protect yourself against the high summer, midday sun and the early afternoon sun, it's pretty much the same for people and for plants. That's why I usually focus very much on winter gardening in, uh, on balconies and terraces at the moment, because I see it's just so easy to do without any technical help. 
So you can really establish a 365 days garden on your balcony if you have a south or east or west directed balcony. It can start any time of the year, which is really very important because people always think they can only start the garden in April and May. I think actually the best month to start is September, just after summer holidays, especially in Middle Europe. It's a very good uh, time to start for beginners because winter gardening is actually easier than summer gardening due to the very hot city summers, which is really a challenge now becoming for the cities. And winters are getting easier and easier. So that's one of the very few good stories about climate change that we have winters where we can grow vegetables all year long. So the season actually did not end. So if you would come to my home here, I would serve you a fresh salad just taken from the balcony or from the terrace and it was available all year round. So I had no day where I couldn't harvest fresh salad this year. So we should make the best out of it. We should do anything to reduce further climate change and we should use the one that's already happening in a perfect way. And vertical gardening is pulling the screws on all, all sides, actually. That's why I really love my new job now. Yeah, I think the main message is really that we can do it uh, without uh, using energy all year round. And we can supplement the food we can buy in supermarkets. So it's really about food uh, supplementing. Because it's always the question is, yeah, how, how can you live on, on four square meters, balcony or stuff like this? You can grow a lot of things on four square meters you cannot get in any supermarket or even not in your in your best organic shop around the corner. Um, for example, I have person supplying me with uh, with the young vegetable plants, and he's growing almost four hundred different breeds of vegetables. I think the average supermarket is ten to twenty probably. And so I have a lot of customers who, who, of course, get a lot of new plants into their diet whenever they get in touch with me, because I prefer, of course, selling those kind of salads, herbs, and so on, which the, the, the big markets don't have. So it's everything about getting healthier food, getting more diversity into your food. And finally, of course, you should we should end up with gardens that also have uh, a lot of ecological functions, not only... Uh, our food but if if we would let bloom our salads for example we feed the bees we we feed a lot of insects and we get the seeds for the next season for free so we can that's a very important message probably also not to grow the the, the food in a way we are used to buy it in a supermarket but to see the plants in a completely different approach we can let them flower we can make the, our own seeds we can reseed from the own from our own salads and so on. So that, that's what you can do with, with food you buy, usually. So you can do all the biological circles and, and even you can close your organic cir uh, circle in, in, in a city apartment. If you have something like a warm composter, for example, you can put your biomass, your organic biomass in there and the worms will turn it to fertilizer and you can put the fertilizer to your vertical gardens and grow salads again and put the, the, the rests of the salad to the warm compost again. So my one of my visions, of course, that we carry the organic garbage uh, onto the rooftops instead of onto the streets and let it take away by, by the garbage trucks. 
So we recycle within city buildings. And your own garden is a very important component of, of a recycling process within cities. Everything starts with, with our food, basically. That, that's one of the bases we need for our life. So we need to optimize food, our food production, and we need to get a sense of how food is produced. You also come up with a different perception of what food looks like if you see it in the supermarket. So actually, since I'm doing my own garden, which is a couple of years now, um, I, I look at carrots, potatoes in the supermarket in a very different way. If they are perfect, I just yeah, I ask myself, how is this possible? How is it possible that they grow perfect carrots? Organic farmers. Yeah? I'm very fascinated by, by good farming practices, actually. And so you get a holistic view of food production, even if you do it in small pots on your balcony. You see what the challenges will be and how farmers have to cope with it. So at the end, you will see a very different value of food and we will support different ways of food production and we will change our behavior and change our, uh, our way of seeing food and buying food. I think that's the conclusion why I changed being a marine scientist and became a vertical gardener to change the perception for important environmental issues. And the best thing is to do it yourself and try to, to try it yourself. Maybe it's the only way. The future of our cities and how we supply them with food is still quite uncertain. What do you think will happen? What are the possibilities of urban agriculture in your opinion? Let us know in the comments. If you want further information on urban agriculture, check out our previous episode, which discusses the topic from a theoretical perspective. This was Breaking Paradigms by Constanze Frey and Sarah Couchier. Be part of the conversation. If you like what we do, consider supporting us and join our Patreon community. Connect with us on Facebook, YouTube and at breakingparadigms.org. Content and editing by Constance Fe and Sarah Couchy. Sound design by Didac Barroso and Florian Frey.